Dutch certainly is true with vinyl records over the years, albums, vinyl albums, although, you know, they had a resurgence recently with collectors and with kids and stuff. But for most of us who uh, the main way that we bought music in our younger years was vinyl. It's been years since we've uh, plunked those stacks of wax onto a turntable and laid back and listened to them. So that's something old I have in my house that I'm making new again, and I've got it here for you. So let's start out with, and tonight, of course, so far we have six people. We're compiling a list of the 10 coolest people who ever lived. We definitely have six on that list. And for those of you that are early listeners, I'm going to tell you who the six are. And these six are irrefutable. There are four, and uh, we're taking suggestions to add seven, eight, nine, and ten. Number one, of course, Miles Davis. Number two, Keith Richards. Number three, James Dean. Number four, Francis Albert Sinatra. Number five, Steve McQueen. And number six, Prince. Uh, Diane Hall says resorts are doing drive-in movies, and there's a drive-in a movie a, event set up at Salt River Fields. Personally, I think it's too hot to go to those. Yeah, that's one of the issues. They are starting to do some with drive-ins. I saw that. But uh, now with the weather becoming um, a, a little warm, e- I, you know, it's good that people are thinking out of the box of safe and sane ways to still be able to interact uh, with large groups of people. And uh, that idea is appealing to me, the drive-in. Uh, when I was a kid, I loved the drive-in. We would do the drive-in all the time. Um, for a period of time, our entire social life was built around drive-ins uh, when I was young because, um, uh, you know, you didn't have an apartment, you didn't have a house, you didn't have a car, you're a teenager, you had a girlfriend, you had a boyfriend, and you had a car or someone had a car, and you go to the drive-in and be there for hours, generally not watching the movie. Uh, thank you very much. Kelly Wilson says, great jacket tone. Thank you. I seldom get a chance to wear it. I think it's a little too, uh, a little too guido. You know, to go run around Arizona in, but I've always had it. My wife bought it for me. And since one of the things we do on Saturday night is dress up a little for y'all, I dug it out of the closet and thought I'd uh, put it to good use. Okay. Uh, memorabilia. Interesting stuff we have around the house. Let me show you something here. This is something that's kind of important and cool to me. It's going to look like gobbledygook to you. There we go. All right. You see it on fa- uh, Facebook Live. There you go. You see it on YouTube. Uh, some of you may not even recognize what that is. That is uh, that is a piece of newspaper that lists out television programs. And I believe this is from the Los Angeles Times. And it is from January 26th, 1991. January 26th, 1991. And I'm looking here for the exact, exact place... Here we go in the uh, 8 p.m. hour, January 26th, 1991. I don't know if you can hear in the background, the ice cream truck is going by. There's a guy who no matter from the day this started, the ice cream man has not stopped driving through the neighborhood. And uh, that's Moxie. We like that. We appreciate that. Okay. What happened on January 26th, 1991? Why did I save this and frame it? Why did I save it and frame it? Because we see in the 8 o'clock hour uh, on the Discovery uh, uh, Channel, there was Clive James. Uh, on this, uh, that's right, CNN, CNN had the Capital Gang. Uh, the Family Movie was Tin Star. HBO Movie was Roadhouse. The Cinemax Movie was Beyond the Stars. Um, 
Showtime had Lockup. TNN had uh, Church Street Station. TNT had Lady L. U.S. Movie had Exorcist 2. VH1 had uh, Stand Up Spotlight. WGN had The Honeymooners. Uh, also, Totally Hidden Video. All that was going at 8 o'clock, but also at 8 o'clock on January 26, 1991, I made my television debut. All right, and here it is right here. A&E, Shadow Stevens at the Improv. Guests, Tony Visick, Adam Sandler, John Ross, Chas Lang Langdon, and Dana Gould. And I, uh, I'm sorry, but this was not, this was not my, um, or maybe it was, I can't remember now. I did several of these uh, evening at the improvs, and this may have been the very first. And on that show with me was Adam Sandler and, of course, the uh, brilliant comic uh, Dana Gould. Shadow Stevens, one of the great radio DJs uh, in Los Angeles for many years, uh, was the host. And if you were from Los Angeles in the 80s, you knew him from the Fed Radio commercials. Everybody laughed. <laughs> Uh, incredible voice. I last heard his voice two years ago when I was in uh, Los Angeles and I was uh, at, uh, with my friend Argus Hamilton and some other people that were uh, uh, sober people and I ran into Shadow Stevens. And also Shadow Stevens, my wife and I went to a fun concert a couple years ago called Happy Together that featured the Turtles and the Cow Sills and, and Chuck Negron from Three Dog Night and the uh, voice was uh, Shadow Stevens, and I'm sitting in a casino with my wife in Scottsdale, Arizona, and we hear the voice and go, I know that guy. I did a TV show with that guy. So this is a cool piece of memorabilia to me because it commemorates, I'm going to call it my first television show. Actually, my first television show was a, a, at a place called, uh, it was a place in New Jersey, in Orange, New Jersey, called Rascals. They had a local show, a local show in Rascal, at Rascals, that uh, went out to the tri-state area. It went live, and they told me I had five minutes when I saw the red light to get off stage. And I didn't see the red light, and I went 20 minutes and a half-hour show. They damn near killed me, uh, but I did very well. Uh, you want to ask me what kind of guy Adam Sandler was? He was one of the most gracious, generous, nicest, charming guys I'd ever met. He was very uh, uh, complimentary when I came off stage, uh, which was nice. Uh, great guy. I don't really remember Dana that well from that particular show. I don't remember a lot because anytime you're doing something like television, you're new, you're kind of in a fog, uh, an adrenaline rush. Uh, but it was an exciting time for me. And I've always wanted to thank Bud Friedman for giving me the opportunity to uh, at least have done some television during what was primarily a live stand-up comedy career. So that's our memorabilia for tonight. Uh, something that I framed, uh, which was uh, uh, in the newspaper, my name in the newspaper on a television show. I don't know. Uh, you know what, and uh, I found it this evening because Shirley and I were cleaning out the garage. So, uh, anyway, back to the coolest people in the world, living or dead. Here's the list. Miles Davis, Keith Richards, James Dean, Frank Sinatra, Steve McQueen, and Prince. We're looking for four more, four more. We're looking for your input if you have any. If we don't get it all tonight, that'll be fine. We'll come back tomorrow. Tomorrow at our regular time, 2 p.m., 2 p.m. Sunday afternoon, uh, and we'll continue to add to the list. Let me tell you who's on a maybe. There's a maybe list right now, and the maybe list includes Dean Martin, Sean Connery, Charles Bronson, Billy Holiday, Muhammad Ali, and Humphrey Bogart. Now, if it were totally up to me, and I'm leaving a lot of it up to you, I would move Humphrey Bogart right over into the cool category. Humphrey Bogart, the character that he pay, played, that guy with the... Uh, the rock-hard exterior with the heart of gold 
you know, but you just really had to dig through it. The guy that we saw in Casablanca, the guy we saw in the Maltese Falcon uh, and so many other great films, uh, really kind of uh, uh, was the epitome of a human being that many of us want to be. Diane Hall saying Glenn Campbell. You know, Diane, I thought about Glenn Campbell today. I don't know why. I was thinking about him the coolest, and I love Glenn Campbell. I may have shared with you my uh, autograph album or picture of, of Glenn Campbell. Glenn Campbell was a lot of things. He's a wonderful artist. He was a, a personable guy. He was a charming guy. He was a great musician. I don't think that he epitomized cool. Just like Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys was a genius, but not necessarily didn't carry that cool vibe. If other people, if a bunch of people jump and go, no, no, Glenn Campbell cool, Glenn Campbell cool, okay. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you playing along and even uh, mentioning someone. Uh, I'll put them down in a maybe category. Uh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to decline something here. Uh, there we go. Uh, resume. Okay, there. I'm sorry. We went away for a second because someone was giving me a call. Uh, but I'm going to put Glenn Campbell right there in the uh, maybe category, all right? So we got Glenn Campbell. Anybody else wants to uh, venture something? Like I said, we got six. We're looking for four more. Coolest guy or girl, Okay. Or um, if you want to go animal or Rin Tin Tin, uh, it says that David Winkle, Shell Brenner, and nine others are watching you right now. That's cool. Let's get to the music while we're waiting uh, to see what, uh, how about Elvis? Yeah, David, we talked about Elvis. And Elvis would almost certainly be on this list. The Elvis that did Heartbreak Hotel, the Elvis who did Mystery Train, the Elvis did That's All Right, Mama. But the issue, and I want you to think about it, because we'll put it over here in the maybe, okay? The issue was the Elvis who then came back from, uh, uh, and we thank him for his service, for his service in the military, and then did all those terrible movies, and then in the 70s, of course, uh, did that Vegas thing with the, uh, uh, the white rhinestone suit and all the karate moves. It's still an icon, still wonderful. The voice never left him. But I don't know if that kind of robbed him of kind of a cool mantle, you know? I mean, the Elvis that we saw in the movie Heartbreak Hotel, if you go back, and no, I'm sorry, King Creole. King, wait, yeah, Heartbreak, King Creole. That Elvis was cool. And a little, uh, a little tidbit about the movie King Creole uh, that takes place in New Orleans with Walter Matthau and um, the lady who was later on in the Adams family, uh, Carol Adams. Um, the thing about that movie, and it's probably Elvis's best movie, King Creole. It's a great dramatic piece. Uh, it was written by a guy named Michael Gazzo. Michael Gazzo wrote two pieces that uh, became uh, important or well-known at a period of time. One was King Creole with Elvis and Walter Matthau. The other one was Hat Full of Rain about uh, heroin addiction. Started a guy named Don Murray who uh, played a guy who came back from Korea where he'd been injured and they gave him morphine. And when he came back, he was addicted and started buying heroin from street people and how it affected his life and family. Michael Gazzo wrote those two important pieces. Uh, Michael Gazzo, though, is known to all of you from the movie The Godfather. He plays the guy going, oh, wait a minute. I, his, I was in the olive oil business with his father. The guy who ends up slitting his wrist while he's in federal custody, that's Michael Gazzo, who was... Uh, uh, a method acting guy, an actor studio guy, someone who hung around all the time, someone who wrote plays, directed plays, acted in plays, got at least two screenplays done, 
Two great screenplays, Hat Full of Rain. Both of these are older movies, of course, and King Creole. And then many years later, played one of the great characters in the movie The Godfather 2. I'm sorry, not The Godfather, Godfather 2. Okay, so uh, uh, just a little diversion about Elvis. So we're still waiting to see. Uh, we got Glenn Campbell. We got Elvis. All right, we're far from uh, uh, pulling the trigger on anybody. We might be a few days before we do that. We've got two things, two pieces of vinyl here to share with you tonight to recommend that you uh, YouTube and listen to, or if you have Alexa, they ask Alexa, I can't say her name too loud. We've got two Alexa devices in the house. She might say it, but start saying stuff. Here's the first one. First piece of vinyl. Look at that. And look at that. What's amazing is how some albums, uh, if you save them for years and years and you don't look at them. And some of them are still pristine as far as the uh, plastic wrap. And some of it's all ripped up. What album is this? What am I showing you? I'm showing you a live album. And it is Procol Harum Live. And this album contains the hit Conquistador. Bum, 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 Conquistador. Your stallion sits in need of company. So this is Procol Harum. Uh, the concert with the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra and the uh, Da Camera Singers. Uh, side one uh, is a Conquistador, a Wailing Stories, a Salty Dog, all this and more. Side two was In, in Hell, Twas In I. I don't know. And that's it. That's the entire... Uh, 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 in, uh, that's, it also, that side two, that song is comprising of Glimpse of Nirvana, was tea time at the circus and the autumn of my madness look to your soul and grand finale um and no one ever listens to side two of this album okay but we all listen to that live version of conquistador by proco harem and this was recorded 7 30 p.m november 18th 1971 at the holiday inn in edmonton alberta okay with the edmonton uh, symphony orchestra uh, conquistador became a massive hit for Procol Harum. Procol Harum was a prog rock band, progressive rock band out of England, as was uh, Pink Floyd, as was King Crimson, as was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. It's called Progressive Rock, Moody Blues, because it had a certain amount of, symph uh, at least a minimum of symphonic uh, uh, elements to it, and sometimes jazz, and the uh, lyrics were usually somewhat ethereal. So, Tadkistor became their second big hit. And that was in 1971. Their first big hit was in, uh, I think, 1966. And it was uh, the legendary and eternal Whiter Shade of Pale. So a long time between hits. They had some other great songs in between. They had a song called Simple Sister, which I just loved because it had a great bass groove. Uh, Salty Dog, uh, great tunes. Proco Harum, a great chance to see them live at Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, Missouri in the early 70s. Uh, their popularity was, uh, had waned quite a bit and there were plenty of good seats, but I certainly enjoyed the chance to see them. If you get a chance, go to YouTube or go to Alexa and put in first a whiter shade of pale. You'll recognize it immediately. Beautiful tune, mainly a, a, an organ tune as far as the lead instrument. And then Conquistador, which is one of the great pieces of pop rock ever recorded. Okay. That's album one. What am I going to go with album two? I got two here. I'm trying to figure out which of the two. Okay. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with this. Okay. Because these guys, uh, little known to most people, except for people who were there at the time 
And for people who kind of really love the kind of music they help create, this is the first album by a band called the New Writers of the Purple Sage. By the way, uh, the Purple Sage and the New Writers of the Purple Sage were two dime store novels from the early 20th century. Um, they might, I think they might, they might have been Zane Gray novels. I'm going to double check. I could be wrong. But um, those, uh, those uh, books, the Purple Sage books, Writers of the Purple Sage, became... Um, Pretty much very thematic in many westerns, many western books written afterwards, and a lot of western movies. So, who were the new writers of the Purple Sage? They were a country rock band, and a matter of fact, they were much more country than rock. Okay, and they came out of San Francisco. The members of the New Writers of Purple Sage are as follows. John Dawson, called Marmaduke, on acoustic guitar and vocals. David Nelson, vocals, electric and acoustic guitar and mandolin. Uh, Brother Dave Torbert, on bass, acoustic guitar and vocals. With, also in the band, uh, Mickey Hart, on drums and percussions. One of my all-time favorites, on piano, Commander Cody. The leader of Commander Cody and the Lost Planet Airmen, they need to be talked about in a future show. Spencer Dryden on drums and percussion. Spencer Dryden, one time the great percussionist with the Jefferson Airplane, right after Skip Spence, and on pedal steel guitar and banjo. Pedal steel guitar and banjo. And at one time they said he was the only accomplished pedal steel guitar player on the West Coast, Mr. Jerry Garcia of The Grateful Dead. Jerry Garcia of The Grateful Dead on pedal steel and this was one of the albums that importantly ushered in the era of country rock almost lost the album there uh the era of country rock right after the hardcore psychedelia that had been going on and reaching a zenith in the late 60s and by the uh early 70s bands like the grateful dead were putting out albums like uh ripple and working man's dead uh, crosby stills and nash were doing what they were doing dylan had done nashville skyline in 1969 or 70, and really kind of changed music. Um, what were the songs on here? Uh, I Don't Know You, What You Gonna Do, Portland Woman, Henry, Dirty Business, Glendale Train, Garden of Eden, All I Ever Wanted, Last Lonely Eagle, and Louisiana Lady. Henry was always a fun album, a song, because it was about a guy who was smuggling marijuana, Acapulco Gold from Mexico to San Francisco so everybody could get high. So the music was definitely hardcore country vibe, okay, with counterculture lyrics. Hardcore country vibe. Here's the guys in the back, by the way, if you get a chance to take a close look at this picture. Look at those guys. Uh, uh, hold on. I'll, I'll hold it back here. You get a, they'll get a great look. You see Jerry Garcia there. You see the band. Let me show it to YouTube. I love this album. So much fun. Uh, and to show you how versatile Jerry Garcia is, Jerry Garcia so often associated with uh, acid rock and the long, jazzy, uh, trippy, uh, uh, improvisational solos that he did for years at the Grateful Dead, was an accomplished banjo player, accomplished guitar player, a guy whose deep love and inquiry and uh, uh, knowledge of all forms of American music helped change American music for modern audiences. Um, he learned how to play the pedal steel guitar. And he was a good pedal steel guitar player. How good was he? If you, if you go, I don't like the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia, I don't know if he's that good. And if I then, I've had people say, I go, do you like Crosby, Stills, Nash, or Crosby, Stills, Nash, Young? Oh, yeah. 
They're great. I go, you love the song Teach Your Children? I go, that's one of my favorite, Teach Your Children. Well, Teach Your Children is partially a hit because of the great pedal steel guitar work done on it, and that was Jerry Garcia. So the next time you're listening to a classic rock station and you hear Teach Your Children by Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and you hear the pedal steel, know that that is Jerry Garcia of the Grateful Dead adding the little cherry on the top that makes that song so great. So if you want to listen to some great country rock, and I mean it's more country than rock, except for the lyrics, which are very counterculture in a lot of it, dig up the New Riders of Purple Sage. I was fortunate when I was a kid to go to a dead concert where the New Riders of Purple Sage opened. So it starts out with Garcia with the opening band playing pedal steel, and of course the dead playing what the dead played in those days. So uh, two wonderful pieces of music for you to dig into. Find something old, make it new again. You know what's old and new for me right now? There's a song that maybe I didn't pay much attention to when it was out, maybe because of who was doing it, okay? But there was a duo, a brother and sister called The Carpenters, okay? And Karen Carpenter um, was a beautiful girl with a wonderful voice. Her brother was a great arranger and piano player. They had so many great hits. Rainy, Day and, uh, Rainy Days and Mondays Always Get Me Down be one of their biggest hits. Uh, she died of anorexia. It was the first time that anorexia really kind of came to the fore in the conscience of Americans in the early 70s. Uh, but they did a song called Superstar. Superstar. And a few months ago, I heard it on some station, and I go, wow, I never realized just how wonderful that song is. You know, and it's about a girl who's talking to this guy that she loves very much, but it turns out that she's just talking to the radio because it's a musician who she had met when he came through town and she was waiting for him to come back again. And I thought, this is an extraordinary song. The music breaking it is extraordinary. The lyrics are extraordinary. The arrangement's extraordinary. And then I looked and see, uh, then I looked up who wrote the song. And this song by the Carpenters, who were a massive, massive uh, success as a mainstream. Uh, soft rock pop duo did a song by none other than Mr. Badass of American music, Leon Russell. Leon Russell wrote Superstar, which the Carpenters recorded. And uh, when I talk about things being old things being new again, that song came out when I was a teenager. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it because I wasn't paying attention to the Carpenters. I was listening to completely different kind of music. And then hearing it again and going, what a beautiful song. And then then finding out that one of my musical heroes, Leon Russell, the great singer-songwriter Leon Russell, the guy who pretty much launched Joe Cocker's career, the guy who made Live at Bangladesh, the legendary uh, charity concert for the entire nation put together by George Harrison, that made it a success because of his incredible performance. The guy who wrote Masquerade, the guy who wrote so many great songs, had written Superstar. So sometimes we take old things and make them new again, Sometimes old things are new to us. So check out the new writers of Purple Sage. Check out, check out, please check out Procol Harum. Okay, check out Conquistador. Uh, we're going to wrap up soon. You know what? I got to be honest. Uh, hello, Jack. Hello, Abanov. Hello, Dickie. Hello, Floyd. Hello, Paul. Hello, everybody who's tuning in. Um, one of the things that we're doing tonight, and you know what? I'll stay on. Um, let me see what time it is. I'll stay on. Uh, we got four minutes. Four minutes. Okay, we're compiling a list of the 10 coolest Americans, living or dead, ever. History of America. Here's who's on the list now for those of you that tuned in late. It is Miles Davis. 
No one can argue that. It is Keith Richards. You can't argue that. Then James Dean. You can't argue that. Frank Sinatra. No one wants to argue Frank Sinatra. If you argue against Frank Sinatra right now, there's still guys in the mob that'll come by and punch you in the nose. Steve McQueen and Prince. Those are the six people that we have on our list of the coolest Americans ever, living or dead. Okay, and I'm waiting for your input over the next few days to round out the final four. Let me tell you who is in the maybe category. Maybe you'll agree. Maybe you go no way in hell. Elvis is in the maybe category. Glenn Campbell is in the maybe category. Humphrey Bogart, a strong, strong, strong runner to make it over to the cool list, is in the category of Muhammad Ali, Billy Holiday, Charles Bronson, Sean Connery, Dean Martin. Okay? So if you've got ideas, you can put them up now. We can talk about them. If you want to think about it and later on uh, message them to me or, or, or post them on other posts or even continue to comment on this when it's done and it's downloaded and people will look at it later, please do. Please do because we need four more and then I got other lists that uh, you and I are going to compile. We're going to keep our minds occupied with other fun things. By the way, if you really want to keep your mind occupied with something fun, I got something for you tomorrow night. I really do. Okay. And I hope you'll join us. Uh, and we've made it affordable uh, for only 10 bucks. And by the way, if you got your whole family there, if you're a family of two, three, four, five, if you're by yourself, I get that too. But if you got a group of people for 10 bucks, everybody can witness what we're going to do tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Okay. Second in what's now a regular series, Tony Visick presents. Sunday Night's Funnier. Tony Vizek presents Sunday Night's Funnier, where I present some of the funniest people I've worked with here in the local area. Later on, we'll expand it out to other people, but great comics that I work with locally. Um, and tomorrow night, I've got a great lineup. I've got uh, the cop comic, Jim Perry. I got everybody's favorite Marine veteran comic, Kev the All-Star, uh, from New York City, Robert Morgan, and of course, my good friend, Bob Rocky. Would never be a show without Bob Rocky. Um, so we've got that for you tomorrow night at seven o'clock. If you want to find out how to purchase tickets, go to my Facebook page, Tony Visick. There's a lot of links listed there tonight, right after the show. We'll post another link right up above the show. So you'll be able to find it. You click the link, you pay the 10 bucks, you go to zoom tomorrow night and we got a great show for you. We're simultaneously, we're bringing you people from Phoenix, New York, everywhere. All right. Great show. Cool thing about this show is the majority of the comic Money goes to the comics. We're getting the comics paid. A portion of the money will go to local food banks right here in the Arizona area. So we're helping out. We're helping each other. Help us help you. Help me help you. Now I'm starting to sound like one of those, okay? Anyway, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. I'll remind you about it tomorrow at 2 p.m. as well. All right, but you're going to love this show. I'm going to do it every week. Every week I'm going to have a great lineup for you of great comics. Uh, we're going to find new ways to do new things. And I think the idea of now using social media as the uh, virtual comedy club is a time, is a, is a thing whose time has come. It has, okay? We don't have to go, okay, this is part of our past. We can't do it anymore. This is part of our past. We can't do it anymore. We're still gonna do it. We're just gonna do it differently, okay? So until we can meet again, until I can get together with all of you at Staples Center in downtown Los Angeles to a Clippers playoff game, and you know what? That day will come, and I hope that each and every one of you are there with me. Hell, we'll all sit up in the cheap seats of the bleachers and have a great, great time. Till the day comes that I see you all at Staples Center, 
till the day comes that I'll see y'all at some big rock fest or someplace. Until the day comes, I'll see you again in the audience at the Tempe Center of the Arts, and that day will come. I want to thank you for listening and watching tonight. It's been a lot of fun for me. I hope it's been fun for you. Buy a ticket to tomorrow's show. You'll love it, okay? But I'll be back tomorrow at 2 to talk to you more about it. Tomorrow at 2, more cool memorabilia. And once again, two albums from my extensive vinyl album collection of artists that I really want to recommend that you try out or that you reacquaint yourself with. That's it, folks. That's the show for tonight. For my wife, who's also the producer of the show, uh, Shirley Lovisic, I want to thank all of you for watching tonight. We're going to see you tomorrow, too. You've been watching Living on a Thin Line. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, YouTubers. <laughs>